Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. So let's get to our guest now. Stephen Davis is founder and CEO at Javelin Wealth Management to discuss the latest on the markets joining us from Singapore. So we're discussing in our top stories there that uh, the CPI data of the week is really going to set the tone for risk assets in the near term. If we do read the outcome as confirmation of a peak in inflation, what kind of assets are you looking for to outperform here? I think the um, the position is still to be fairly cautious because we uh, we certainly are seeing that inflation, uh, the upward pressure at least, could be mitigating a bit. Um, not surprisingly, if you're comparing high prices this year with high prices last year, then that growth rate is obviously going to slow. Nonetheless, um, prices of commodities still remain very high and we're starting to see the bleed through into the economy in the form of higher wages. So that's going to keep inflation high for longer. And that means a more aggressive Fed. And that uh, still creates volatility for stock markets. So a more aggressive Fed, we heard there from Janet Yellen as well, saying that Americans understand the need to conquer inflation. Do you think it is likely they are going to manage that soft landing, though? Well, uh, to coin a phrase, that's about the $10 trillion question at the moment, because no central bank's been able to do that yet. So if they do manage to pull it off this time, it will be truly remarkable. Uh, I think um, what we're seeing is that the Fed, having been a bit late to the uh, inflation busting party, um, is uh, certainly moving a little bit more quickly. But uh, you only have to see the difference between interest rates uh, at a gross level and inflation. And you can see that the gap is still substantial. So um, economic orthodoxy would suggest that if they're going to be successful, they're going to have to raise rates significantly higher than where they are today. And I don't think the market's priced that in. In terms of whether or not the market has priced everything in, you say you're moving to reduce the underweight in US equities. So have we seen a bottom? Um, yeah, it's difficult to say. I mean, um, we were very underweight in the US. So having seen some improvement in core data, some improvement in that commodity price uh, matrix that we talked about. Uh, so I think we, we feel more comfortable in moving back to closer to a more neutral position in, in US equities, but we're still underweight pretty much everywhere else and still underweight equities as a class. So it's very much sort of market uh, region specific and very much dependent upon what the individual central bank in those locations is doing. All right. Well, let's talk about Europe, for example, and what we saw with the ECB last week and, and that very aggressive hike there. We know that Europe is is one region that is probably facing the direst sense of a recession. How much do these energy woes and, and the euro movement kind of complicate things for the ECB and investing in Europe? Oh, significantly. Um, the ECB has been trying to keep... Uh, interest rates very low for far longer than perhaps they should have done. And that's uh, now being fed through into significant inflationary pressures in uh, in European 
markets and economies. You've seen uh, lots of intervention by different governments to try and cap energy prices, most recently out of the UK. So uh, we're still very much in the early stages of this. And it really all depends, I guess, on the severity of the northern European winter. So um, we're still a month off from that really beginning. um, And that's going to be the real test. Is that the biggest risk at the moment, what's happening in Ukraine and the overall energy crisis? Uh, yes, I think it is. But, um, you know, don't don't take forget that, uh, as I mentioned before, this wage pressure uh, cycle is really kicking off uh, in significant ways, not only uh, across Europe, UK as well, and uh, in and in the US. And once you start seeing wage pressures building up like they are at the moment, then you really embed uh, inflationary pressures into economies for the longer Mm. term. And that means much more serious uh, central bank action. I want to get your thoughts on investing in Asia, but just more broadly back on the macro point when we're talking about a lot of those global headwinds. Uh, MLive Pulse survey question is, what is the most significant shortage you could see in the next 12 months? Uh, I guess it's it's still got to be uh, oil. Um, it, OPEC is uh, OPEC plus has been showing no inclination to increase levels of oil output, um, and uh, that's also um, being reflected in the gas market as well. Uh, gas market obviously constrained by uh, the Ukraine war. Um, prices have come down a little bit, but still highly elevated, and that's what's causing all the trouble in European economies at the moment. Okay, let's talk to the Asia picture and start with China. We know it's all about uh, dynamic zero, COVID zero policies and whether or not things could markedly change after the party congress. Do you see that potentially happening, some kind of easing coming through from President Xi? And does that make investing in China look a little more attractive after the party congress? Uh, one can only hope that that will be what happens. Um, I think, uh, however, that everybody uh, has been quite surprised by the degree to which the Chinese government has not been uh, flushing the system with liquidity. That's the playbook that has been well established over many years, I guess, starting back in 2008, 2009, uh, when stimulus spending was responsible for digging the Chinese economy out of a hole. They haven't deployed that this time around. Um, obviously, they're concerned about uh, inflationary pressures and, and creating uh, excessive leverage within the, within the system, which is obviously a big problem in the property sector at the moment. But uh, the reason for caution uh, is still a bit unclear, given the fact that COVID is uh, really putting uh, the overall economy and consumers in particular under pressure. All right, let's talk about where you do see value. I mean, we're looking at this very strong dollar as well, which creates imbalances across investing in Asia. But you like a lot of the ASEAN names. You're focused on Vietnam. Tell us why. I mean, it's interesting to see that uh, Vietnam, for instance, is a definite beneficiary of uh, the opaque uh, Chinese policies with regards to COVID. Uh, Vietnam's been uh, more open, more perhaps more successful in getting things under control. Um, and also their their policies on foreign investment and foreign companies investing in their markets seem to be a bit more transparent. It's very clear that the inflows of foreign investment into Vietnam are going to continue, and that's got to be a long-term benefit to that economy, which we expect to grow strongly. When it comes to the Japan picture, we're hearing from the Nikkei News that Japan may remove some visitor barriers in October. We know the reopening theme is going to be a very big one for the economy and also in terms of some of the impact on the yen too. We're waiting to see whether or not there may be some more intervention there. How attractive is Japan with that weak yen, even though you've still got the concerns about the economy being essentially closed? 
Yeah, I think uh, it's more positive than it's looked for some while. Uh, if they do uh, materially uh, loosen things up as far as tourism, uh, then that's going to be a big positive and it should put a bit of a floor under the yen. However, uh, Japan obviously is a big net importer of both oil and gas, so that's having a considerable um, problem uh, for Japanese companies at the moment in terms of cost of production. Uh, nonetheless, perhaps that's slightly offset by a, a weaker yen, which helps them to look a lot more competitive from an export perspective once uh, the dollar cost of imports is taken into account. We're seeing a U.S. 10-year yield at 3.31%. You remain underweight fixed income. What is the outlook for credit here? It's uh, still pretty unclear. Um, and for that reason, we remain pretty negative. Obviously, in a rising interest rate environment, bonds don't do well. And that's an absolute given. Um, it just increases the opportunity cost of holding fixed priced instruments. And until interest rates in the bond market begin to up adjust upwards uh, to offset that, um, which is happening at the moment, but that's the reason why the bond market's been underperforming. You might see some bear market rallies, probably a little bit of what is going on at the moment. Uh, but nonetheless, until inflation is under control and until in, uh, interest rates are clearly seen as topping out, bond market's going to remain under pressure. I would stick yeah. with alternatives as a proxy. All right, Stephen, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Stephen Davis, founder and CEO at Javelin Wealth Management. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.